Thunderdome. What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackleven. It is Wednesday, June 24th. And we have a big show planned for you today. I'm going to talk about a mock draft that I was in last night where I used the very things I talked about on this podcast the last two days. And really the goal here is to pull the curtain back. You know, I always want to, you know, really give you a sense of what am I thinking about when I go into these drafts uh, and what what am I thinking about when I make my picks, etc. Ultimately, you know, hey, you can use it or maybe not. But I think that that was always the big mystery for me back in the day. I remember before I was in the industry, like back in like 2005, 2006, when I was starting to get very into fantasy football. I mean, I've been playing since the late 90s, but that was when I really got the bug. But I really didn't know what anybody else was doing in terms of drafting. Like this is like the very, very beginnings of the industry starting to take off, too, by the way, because that was was right around when Matthew Berry went to ESPN. And I'll say this till you know, till the day I die. If it wasn't for Matthew Berry, there'd be none of us there. You know, none of us doing this in the fantasy industry. He helped pave the way. But it was still in its infancy then. And you really didn't know what the heck anybody else was doing. I mean, yes, there were like deep message board posts about draft strategy. But for the most part, you know, you may even still be in that position. Like, what are other people doing when it comes to drafts? So that's just the thought process here, you know, to to expose you to what I'm thinking during the course of a draft. And in this case, yeah, it's against industry folks. So it's going to be a little bit different than your home leagues. But generally speaking... The industry itself does shape the home league drafts. Now, you're always going to have one or two maybe wild cards in your home league drafts, and you know who those guys are. But for the most part, you know, especially when you're talking the first five rounds or so of drafts, I mean, they are so heavily slanted towards what the industry says. It isn't even funny. So anyway, the draft, uh, just a straightforward PPR draft. It was 18 rounds, not 16 rounds, but everything else pretty straightforward. One quarterback, two running back, three wide out, one tight end, a kicker, a defense, a flex. That's pretty much it. Now, I was picking in the six hole. And I will tell you that my one fear with the six hole, this is going to be the spot that I don't like, at least especially right now. Uh, But my one fear was that four running backs and one wide receiver would go before I was, was up. And four running backs and one wide receiver went before I was up. It went in order, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Zeke, Kamara, Michael Thomas. That is where this is where the, essentially the tear drops off for me and things become very complicated because if there was no threat of a holdout, this would be a slam dunk Dalvin Cook, all right, easy game. But my thought process, especially here, and this is something that'll be, you know, this will be published, this will be something that people will be reading in, in August. My thought process was, you know, I'm drafting here with limited information, not even in July yet. I don't know if he's going to hold out. I can't take that risk with the sixth overall pick. I love the shoot for upside. Absolutely love the shoot for upside. But I also want to minimize as much risk as possible in this point in the draft. And really, there's no other running back. If you go back to Monday's show, I said, hey, you know, once you get to this range, we have a problem at running back. There's no other running back I felt uber confident in. And I did say on yesterday's pod that, you know, back into the first round, I'm probably looking at wide receiver more than I am at running back, depending on who's on the board, right? But in this instance here, 
The top player on my board was Devontae Adams, so I went with him. Now, yesterday I said, I'm not going to go into a draft using, saying, I am using zero RB, I am a robot. It's not, I'm not going to do that because the draft could go in a way that would dictate that I don't use zero RB. Well, just kind of dictated that I might. So how do things unfold from here? That's an interesting question. So I faded Dalvin Cook. In case you're wondering, he did go at nine. I'm not going to give you all the picks. It's unnecessary to do so. More about my thought process. Now, I was up again at 2-7. And uh, a bunch of running backs came off the board. I did notice, by the way, that the guy on the turn took running back, running back. Remember, it's not just about you in a draft. It's about what your opponents are doing as well. Because if you treat the draft like a game itself, like fantasy football as a whole is a game. It's not just about what you do on you know Sunday, well, Thursday through Monday, but really on Sunday and Monday against your opponent. Uh, it, it's about what you're doing against your opponent all the time. You're playing a game against them when it comes to trades. You're playing a game against them when it comes to waivers. You're playing a game against them on draft day. So I just made a little mental note. Oh, he went RBRB. Okay, let's let's see if we can use that to our advantage at some point. So anyway, it almost worked out. It almost worked out that I got DeAndre Hopkins at 2-7. Now, he ends up going one pick before me, but I would have been off to the races as, on a zero RB path if that would have happened, right? It didn't happen, and... I looked down on my board, you know, the top guy, Kelsey was already off the board at that point. He goes at 2-4, so I wasn't going tight end. I'm not going to go with Kittle at 2-7. So the top guy on my board was Josh Jacobs. Ended up going that route. I mean, really, running back had started to dry up. Drake's off the board. Mixon's off the board. Eckler's off the board. Henry's off the board. Sanders off the board. Jones off the board. Chubb's off the board. All of those guys gone. And it was almost like a teardrop from Jacobs to down in the Todd Gurley type range, the, the Leonard Fournette type range. And I wasn't going Clyde Edwards Alaire there. I know some people might. I'm not going that that route that early. Edwards Alaire goes in the third round in this draft, and I think that's fine. Uh, second round's a little too early. So Jacobs for me, pretty happy with that. Not involved in the passing game as much as I would hope, but he is a guy who he he could see 280 to if he stays healthy 290 could he see 300 carries maybe well i wouldn't be completely shocked now, that's a huge number but two 280 that'd be a nice number right there and i think you know solid return on investment in that in that range of the draft so right now the draft is dictated in some ways that I'm I'm obviously not going zero rb but at the same time you know i didn't get one of i didn't get I didn't check one of my boxes was to get two top 15 guys because there's no, you know, at this point, there's no way for me to do so. That's okay. Doesn't always have to happen that way, but you have to realize, hey, when this doesn't happen now, I really need to prioritize running back uh, to make sure that I get to that number, you know, the number I want before round 10, which remember is four running backs for me. So, uh, goes around, uh, by the way, really interesting. So Lamar Jackson goes at 211, which I guess that's fine. It's an industry draft, so maybe a little bit later than he'll go ordinarily, but that's fine. But Mahomes immediately, bang, next pick, 212. Wait till the next quarterback comes off the board. It's going to be a while. Anyway, 
Um, a couple head scratchers, which you're always going to have, and I love head scratchers because it creates value. So in between my pick at 2-7 and 3-6, Jonathan Taylor was drafted at 3-4. That is, I had to scroll way down on my list. And by the way, wherever you're doing a draft, this is just a good point. I know people will do these industry drafts and they won't have rankings with them, and I, I just don't know how you do that. Always have just a, a little rankings list. I know some people are so old school that they like to print them out and cross off. That's fine. If that's you, you do you. I just have a little Google spreadsheet and I just, um, you know, I just put a little X and then filter uh, when the guy is picked. So I always know who's highest on my board um, for these types of things. I'll bring my draft board to, to home league drafts because it's just easier. But for this, I just use my rankings. Anyway, um, always have at least something there. So... My whole thought process was there's no way, there's no way in hell when I took Josh Jacobs, I almost took Chris Godwin. There's no freaking way that he gets back to me. And he did. He got back to me. Uh, The head scratcher pick was in there. A bunch of running backs. People were going overboard on running back like Le'Veon Bell went. It's too early, but... What ends up happening is, is you know, the scarcity, positional scarcity creates all of these values at wide receiver then because people overvalue running back. And I'm fine with that because it's that it's that pendulum effect, right? So they're hammering running back early. They're eventually going to go to wide receiver. And then when they go to wide receiver, there are going to be some running backs who, you know, some diamonds in the rough who end up being values in, as you get past this point. Now, it's tricky, but as long as you're paying attention, you can you can typically find those guys. So, not a bad start. Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin. I have two of my top 10 wideouts, and then Josh Jacobs, a, a top 12 running back for me. Pretty solid. I'll take it. Um, going from here, though, this is where you know the tight ends of the world start coming off the board. We saw a, a, like a modest tight end run. George Kittle goes at 310. I thought about George Kittle at 36, but I had Godwin just ahead of him on my board. So for me, it was an easy pick. And by the way, the only reason why I didn't take Godwin at 27 and I took Jacobs instead was the teardrop from Jacobs to the next tier was pretty significant. Whereas with Godwin, at that point, there was still Allen Robinson on the board. There was still Mike Evans on the board. There were a bunch of guys on the board where I felt more comfortable waiting there. So comes around, you have this little mini tight end run at Kittle at 310. You got uh, Mark Andrews and Zach Ertz at the top of the fourth round. At 4-7, I just couldn't, I couldn't help myself. I went with Odell Beckham Jr. because I still do buy in to positive regression, especially if he keeps getting those deep balls. Um, for me, the only other player who I, I kind of, if he would have fallen, I would have went ahead of Odell Beckham Jr. was Chris Carson. He, he fell a little further than I thought in this draft. He ended up going two picks before me, though. And that's an important thing. I always say this, and you know people kind of laugh, but like there you should never be sniped, right? Like you should never only have one player who you want to pick in a certain spot. And I see this happen with with drafters, even intermediate level drafters all the time where they they just they're so fixated like I would just be looking at Chris Carson and then when he gets picked right before me, well what do you think happens? Of course you start to freaking panic cuz you're like I got nothing. You should never have that happen to you. 
right? You should always have your board there and there's always going to be guys at the top of your board and there's always going to be guys who you can take and that helps you, you know, from a mindset standpoint, just stay in the zone while other people may get tilted, you don't get tilted. So I just now went wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver. So in some ways, that's that modified zero RB approach that I had talked about. The value was just too good at wide receiver for me to pass up. I mean, you're talking, if if everything shakes out right, you know, optimally, I could have three top 10 fantasy wideouts. Good Lord. That would be a good squad, regardless of what I do at running back. And I'm willing to be light at my second running back spot, especially for that sort of start. So... I do have to ultimately get some running backs, though, and if you do this modified approach, then typically I'm looking at about round five to to go back to the well and, and see what I can get at running back. Now, I'm not crazy about the guy who I picked in round five, but I... Uh, you know, I looked at the value on the board and really, again, it was almost like the it was a tear was going to dry up. So I went with David Montgomery. Eh, I know. And he's not a bell cow because Tariq Cohen is there. But if we see just a little bit of an improvement in efficiency, I think I can get by with him. I mean, basically, he was an RB2 last year. So if he's my number two RB, fine. You're not going to, you know, never, unless you're drafting against a, a whole bunch of slappies, you're never going to put together an absolute rock star team. And so, you know, it's more of a matter of, is he a decent enough value at 5-6? Yeah, that's a, it's like a half round lower than where I have him. So I'm fine with that. Uh, in, in round six, I was willing to bump a guy up about a, a half a round you know, just to make sure I got him. Sometimes you have to shift gears a little bit. I wouldn't call it a reach. You know, a reach is taking a guy two rounds ahead or or even more. Uh, but Keyshawn Vaughn is who I went with there. This is a swing for the fences play. I can do that now in the middle rounds. Now that I've essentially solidified that core of five starters, I want that five starter, you know, that group of five starters, two running backs, three wide receivers. Now I can start swinging for the fences. Um, and and I did so at a position that was really rapidly starting to dry up. Uh, so went after it at at uh, six seven. Incidentally, right after me at six eight, the third quarterback goes off the board. It was Dak Prescott. Wait till you hear when the next one comes off the board. This is pretty crazy. But anyway, um, so tight end. I've talked about this before. It bears repeating. Roundabout round six is when I'm going to start looking at tight end. In this draft, it didn't really feel like it was the right time for tight end, and I'll tell you why. So I told you the tight ends who have come off the board so far. The only other tight end to come off the board, so it was Kelsey in round two, Kittle in round three, Andrews and Ertz in round four. The only other one to come off the board was in round five, and it was Rob Gronkowski. So I was staring down Darren Waller in round six. And I'm like, man, this dude is still here. I have a fifth round grade on him. But I'm going to let him slide because even if he goes, then in round seven, I know I can go after Evan Ingram or even Tyler Higby if Ingram also goes because I don't think all of them are going to go. Now, sometimes you play chicken with the draft like that and you and you lose, <laughs> you get burnt. But this was not one of those times. In fact, crazy enough, Darren Waller makes it to me. So I played chicken with the draft, and and by the way, uh, Ky- oh Kyler Murray, 
did come off the board. So I lied. He came off the board here in the seventh round, but it's the next guy after that. I did miss, I wasn't paying attention to quarterback at this point in the draft uh, that closely. So it didn't really resonate with me, but whatever. Darren Waller in the seventh round, I'll do that all day, every day. He's going to be the top target in that offense. And yeah, I do have Jacobs, but you know, people ask me that, like, do you want to take two guys from the same team? Uh, Yeah, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. You know, it honestly doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to uh, pass up really good value just because I already drafted Jacobs. Um, So, you know, huge value for me there to get that guy. And then, you know, quite predictably before my next pick, Higby and Ingram come off the board. So, you know, these are a bunch of sharp drafters. There's a a lot, you know, really, you're going to have a hard time finding value when there's a lot of sharp drafters. So... I know I said I wouldn't take Deontay Johnson in the seventh round. I have an eighth round grade on him right now. So I actually got him at my grade, uh, which was mid eighth round. I took him there uh, for a little bit of the sexiness of it all, but uh, not willing to take him in the seventh round. Now, in the ninth round, though, I, I wanted to, you know, again, you're keeping track of what your opponents are doing. You are in some ways also to making statements to you know to 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 slant the draft in your favor and in the ninth round I made one of those statements with Alexander Madison I think this is a perfectly appropriate place to take Alexander Madison right now given the uncertainty of Dalvin Cook I wouldn't go much higher than this but I don't think I don't think that he should be hanging around until like the 11th or 12th round just don't see that the implied value of Alexander Madison here is pretty massive, considering that Cook could hold out. Madison could, you know, do a little bit of a, you know, not not a poor man's of Austin Eckler, but something, you know, I don't expect him to be top five uh, while Dalvin Cook is out, but you know, something along those lines would be pretty nice. I will say though that one of the guys who I wanted to target in the late rounds ends up going only a few picks later in McColl Hardman. I was hoping he would be there in the tenth or eleventh round. It didn't happen, and that's fine because what ends up happening here was all these wideouts, all these running backs coming off the board, quarterbacks fell like crazy. So in the tenth round, I finally you know decide to look at quarterback. And by the way, Madison was my fourth running back by the ninth round, so mission accomplished. The next quarterback who finally came off the board was Deshaun Watson. He went in the tenth round, which is bonkers. I did not get him. He went four picks ahead of me. I took Russell Wilson in the tenth round at ten seven. Russell freaking Wilson in the tenth round. Now again. Not going to be there in your home leagues, but you can still get good value in your home leagues. I wouldn't worry about it at all if it's a one quarterback league. Uh, just to to follow up here, I won't go through you know really the details from here on out, but I went Mike Williams in round eleven for some upside. Uh, Dallas Goddard in round twelve. I took Golden Tate in round thirteen. This one was really surprising to me, and I actually put a tweet out about this. Darius Slayton went in in round seven. I took Golden Tate six rounds later. I don't love Golden Tate, but Golden Tate was screaming value at that point, so I'm not going to just leave him on the board. I'm not sure when Darius Slayton became a seventh-round pick. I have a 12th-round grade on him, and the reason for it is, yes, he had two big weeks last year, but otherwise, he almost did nothing last year. 
So I'm not sure why people are going so overboard, but he feels like he's another one of those guys where I like it. He's it's a Dave Matthews guy. And and if you haven't heard that reference before, here's what it is. When I was in college, so I went to the co- I went to college in the late 90s, early 2000s. So it was like in the height of Dave Matthews band era. And I know that there were a lot of people who liked Dave Matthews Band, and I also know that a lot of those people only like Dave Matthews Band because their friends like Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, bro, name five songs. I love Dave Matthews Band. So anyway, it's like a Dave Matthews Band pick. Like, I love Darius Slayton. Oh, yes, I love Darius Slayton as well. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I I might be a little too low on him. Maybe he's more of a 10th round grade, but a 7th round pick is pretty high. Now, granted, I've been known to be wrong before, and maybe I'm wrong on this one, but um, that's not really where he's projecting out. I would much rather get Sterling Shepard a couple rounds later or even Golden Tate, like I said, at, at, at a big value. Um, so anyway, uh, I took Joe Burrow. Yes, Joe Exotic. In round 14, uh, since it was an 18-round draft, I was going to draft two quarterbacks regardless. Sometimes I won't go safe and upside if I get somebody like Russell Wilson, but in this draft, um, I went for the sexy pick. Paris Campbell in the, in the 15th round, I've talked about him as like my one of my late-round darts. Jamal Williams was still on the, on the board in round 16, so I grabbed a fifth running back. Then we went with the Vikings defense and Zane Gonzalez. So there you go. That's the draft. Now... The key takeaway here, uh, I would say, I was really happy with the team overall that I drafted. Now, I would not have anticipated, honestly, I thought when I had the 1-6, I was going to take a running back in that spot, and it didn't work out that way, but being flexible and and really letting, letting the draft uh, show me where the value was based on my board, I still was able to put together a squad I was more than happy with. And of course, when you get like a guy like Russell Wilson in the 10th round, uh, that's nothing to be uh, too upset about as well. And and by the way, I had mentioned the just keeping an eye on your opponents. Well, I did note that, and, and I should have said this. So the guy who went running back, running back on the 1-2 turn at 112 and 2-1 ended up going with another running back at 312. So it was three running backs to start. And then, remember I said Andrews went in the fourth round? He was the one who took Andrews. So through four rounds, he had no wide receivers. Now, he ends up getting Chark, McLaren, Julian Edelman, Sterling Shepard. Not bad value on Sterling Shepard in in, uh, round nine. Then doesn't get another wide out until Josh Reynolds in round 15, Cole Beasley in round 18. So, yes... You have three running backs, but really you missed out on really what I would say good value at wide receiver. I mean, sure, you have some upside in Chark and McLaren, and then you basically tried to get as much value as you could with Edelman, who fell like a brick, and Shepard, who falls a little too far as well. But otherwise, that's that's a little bit of a tough start. So, you know, again, uh, maybe prioritizing those running backs early. In the past, I've said, yeah, let's do it. Hammer. Hammer the running backs. I don't know if I'm in on that this year. But I don't know if I'm in on hammer wide receiver either. I think it's more about hammer what your draft is going to give you. As long as you're following your board. And sure, you may end up with David Montgomery as your second running back. But I think there are worse problems to have in life uh, for for sure. So uh, hopefully you found that beneficial 
But trust me, we will talk a lot more about draft strategy as things go on. But it always helps when you actually have a, a physical example. Uh, so that's going to do it for us today on the show. Remember, you can follow along with me on social media at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter and Instagram and use that hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. Also appreciate folks stepping up and reviewing the show on iTunes. If you haven't already, please do rate, review. Takes you about two minutes to do and it's a huge help as we get this podcast launched. So episode three in the books. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to play a little game on the show tomorrow. Who would you rather? Who would you rather? Basically, I'm going to say who I'd rather pick. Yeah, it's pretty simple, but it's fun. So we'll do that on the show tomorrow. I will see you then on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.